Hey guys, before we dive deep in today's episode, I want to let you know that we are streaming all of these episodes live every single week in our Facebook group. We're giving away all of our best tips and tricks and answering all of your questions live in the group. So if you haven't already had a chance to check us out, I suggest you do so. I'll drop the link in the description of this episode for you. Click on that guy when you're ready to join the fun. See you guys on the other side. Why is it that some chiropractors go on to help tens of thousands of patients and become wildly profitable while others struggle to stay busy on a day-to-day basis? We've dedicated this entire show to interviewing some of the top chiropractic minds on the planet and examining the exact strategies that they have used to scale their businesses to the next level. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Chiropractic Marketing Secrets. What's going on, guys? And welcome to another edition of Chiropractic Marketing Secrets. This is your host, Jeff Van Campen, and I am joined today by Dr. Jeff Langmaid. And in case you guys haven't been able to tell by my action in this group and my hype in this group this week, I'm super excited to talk with Dr. Jeff. And because Dr. Jeff has worked with thousands of chiros around the world and spoken to chiropractors hundreds of different times, as well as been featured in numerous publications and even written a couple books. So I'm really excited to talk with you today, Jeff. And I want to say, first and foremost, I appreciate you being with us, my friend. Hey, my pleasure. I was, I was super pumped when you reached out. I've been following a little bit of what you've been up to as well. So happy to sit down, have a conversation and help docs out there really better communicate their message. I think that's what it's all about. Absolutely, brother. And I think that, you know, I have spent a a mass, I'll be transparent, I've spent a lot of time consuming your work. In fact, I probably spent more time consuming your work than any other practitioner, any other creator in the chiropractic realm. So I really appreciate you giving a lot of the advice that you do, a lot of just the good, tangible, actionable strategies that you provide practitioners. And um, I want to, I think that you have a really, really good sense of the, like you call yourself the kind of like the intersection between marketing and research, right? And I think what today, obviously, um, we're going to be diving a little bit more in the marketing side of things. And there's a couple of different things that I want to touch base on um, in this throughout this uh, podcast here. Um, but first and foremost, before we go into any of that, I want to hear a little bit about how you started doing what you're doing, what it looked like for you, you know, leading up to the early years of your life to becoming a chiropractor, and then what kind of translated you into becoming kind of a chiropractic thought leader that you are today. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> the the story course. is uh, long and winding, but uh, <laughs> sure. the, the synopsis is this. I was very interested in healthcare, even from a super early age. I remember like in fifth grade or something like that, I did a presentation in class on endoscopic knee surgery. And I was like the most geeky thing ever created, but I was like super into you know, being some sort of doctor, physician, healthcare provider, etc. Time went on, I was like, man, staring down a tube the size of my finger into somebody's knee like 12 hours a day for 40 years started to become less appealing over time. And coincidentally, my father had a back injury when I was in college, went to go see a chiropractor, got well and said, hey, Jeff, next time you're home on break, you got to meet this guy. So the more that I started to learn about chiropractic, the more it probably, I guess the way I say it is, it was what I already believed, but didn't have a name for regarding health and wellness, etc. So that's really what started me down the path. Then, uh, you know, I kind of had a traditional chiropractic beginning. I graduated school. I was an associate in a practice. I owned my own clinic for a short amount of time. Then things kind of went off the rails in a good way, which is really what led me to where I am today, which is I joined a couple different multidisciplinary groups. 
So a couple of different like surgery groups that were spending a lot of money on advertising and growing like crazy, you know, 50 doctors, hospital setting, dozens of clinics, you know, millions upon millions of dollars spent in advertising. And that's what started to open my mind because I was like, man, when I had my own practice, figuring it all out was hard. I didn't know what I was doing. So much of it was ineffective. I felt like I was just, you know, in quicksand the whole time. So being able to step back and learn from people that were doing it at the highest level and now take that and approach the chiropractic profession with like, okay, cool. That's great. They're spending a ton of money. What are the nuggets? What are the pieces of the pie that they're doing that can be applied to a chiropractor's practice day in and day out? And that's really what I strive to do each and every day is take, you know, as you said, some of the research, right? Hey, what's the, what can we talk about that makes sense? But then more importantly on the marketing side, how do we communicate that effectively? Because the more people that know, trust, and like you in your community, the more people are going to be in your office. It's all about communicating that message. Hundred percent. So that's super interesting. So let's uh, let me kind of recap what I just heard right there. So you you had introduction. You knew as a kid you wanted to kind of be in the medical health field some way, right? And then that introduction came later on into chiropractic. And at some point you were just like, "This is it. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a chiropractor." So out of school, did you open your practice like immediately right out of school, or you work for somebody right away, or how did that process kind of look? So I was an associate. I worked for somebody else for a short amount of time. So interesting that you asked that. The, the gentleman that my father went to, the doc, the chiropractor, Dr. Yeah, yeah. Warren in Warwick, Rhode Island. My dad goes to see him, gets well. He says, hey, have you ever thought of being a chiropractor? I then go to chiropractic school. So years go by, right? You know, go to chiropractic school. He's sure. an avid mountain climber, like, you know, seven summits kind of guy. The climbing season for Everest is a roughly March to April in the year. It's the only time you can climb Mount Everest. I was graduating in December. He had been chipping away at the seven biggest summits, and that was going to be his Everest year. So basically, he came to me and said, you're graduating in December. Come up, and I'll train you basically January, February. You take over my practice for March, April, May, and forever if I don't come back right, for at right. least those three months while I go to try to summit Everest. And that's, what, that's sort of how it went. So then when he came back, I stayed on a few extra months and then transitioned to open up my own practice in downtown Providence, Rhode Island. He was just outside of Providence in a suburb. Interesting. And so when you started your own practice, um, you found yourself, you know, I think you used the word you were in quicksand. You know, you felt you probably you felt like you were in over your head, for lack of better words, I guess, in that part there. So then what ended up happening is you end up finding this surgery based group and they were growing like crazy. So then you were able to take some of the actual the marketing and strategic business strategy that they were utilizing and then sort of like take those, use them for your own good. And then now today sharing those goods uh, along with many other experiences with other fellow practitioners. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, when I was you know running my own practice, I, I did just about every single thing that you, you shouldn't do with marketing, right? I, I you know, wasn't spending enough, wasn't tracking very well, my messaging stunk. I mean, you name it. And there weren't like resources like this. I mean, I'm talking like 2005. So Facebook existed, but it wasn't like there, there weren't groups. There weren't all of these individuals and people like yourself, you know, that you can glean information from. None of that was really out there. So it was like, I mean, it was like just that weird precipice point where it's like everybody knew like at that point, the yellow page ads were kind of on the way out, but like digital marketing really hadn't taken hold yet. So it was this weird transitional time and, you know, it was a supreme struggle. So 
the opportunity in the surgery center kind of opened up when I moved back from Providence back down to Florida. I had gone to undergraduate school here in Tampa, so I was familiar with Tampa. So that sort of opened up where I just was like, man, like, you know, my, my practice was a grind. It was a struggle. I was, it seemed like I wasn't getting anywhere. And in hindsight, now it makes complete sense on why. But at the time, it's like, man, I just can't seem to really get things going in the right direction. So I was making just about every error. I felt good about myself as a provider. I felt like I was delivering good care. So really joining the orthopedic group in some ways, from my perspective at the time, you know, now it's like, you know, a big thing and, you know, being able to be interdisciplinary multis, that didn't even exist back then. I just was like, man, if I could take the marketing of this off of my shoulders, I'd be a happy guy. Come to find out as time goes on, I become more interested in the marketing and it comes full circle. But that's yeah. just the weird way life works out, I guess. That's super interesting. You know, there's a quote that I like to, that my business partner and I say a lot that I like to just kind of say in statement, in phrases like, in uh, situations like this is Steve Jobs always said, you know, it's the dots always connect backwards, my friend, you know? <laughs> so you look back on all these different experiences you had and then now, like same with me, you know, finding myself like more into marketing than designing clothes originally, you finding yourself now more into the marketing side of things than a lot of other things, you know? Right. So it's just funny that like it always ends up coming full circle like that. And I think that per statement alone, you know, kind of translates us well into kind of moving into talking some of the your, some of your, what I like to see, like talk about is you're like an expert in some of uh, areas that I've been listening to you. So one of the areas I think you are doing a super, super good job on is the way that docs communicate with their patients, right? And I want to talk about the notion um, of story branding and how practitioners can become the guide in their consumers or their patients' hero's journey, right? Yeah. And so I want to I want to kind of open up to you and say, you know, what does it mean to become the guide, and kind of what is the first step that a Cairo needs to do to kind of flip their frame of mind from them being the hero to them being the guide in their patients' journey? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's two things that come to mind for me. One is having a relentless focus on your patients. And I'll dive into that a little bit more, but that's sort of one aspect. Now, I think most docs think, I do, I do, but we'll talk about the difference between really having that and not having that in a moment. Then the second aspect of it is understanding that your job is to provide them benefits, you know, and that the more easily they understand the benefits that you can provide them, which goes hand in hand with having a relentless focus on them, that starts the messaging, right? So the biggest challenge I think with all of us as healthcare providers is we like geek out on our own stuff. It's like, I get so into this technique or that technique or, you know, I bought a new table or, you know, these are what we, you know, in the marketing world, we call features in general, right? They are the, they are the aspects of what you do. They are not the benefits it provides. And ultimately, people are looking for answers and solves and solutions to their problems. So your benefit hopefully is very intertwined with that. The features of how you get there are tangential to the story. They are not the whole story. And exactly what you said, you know, really you need to have, you need to be as the provider, the guide, not the hero. The patient has an issue. The hero is the patient. It's the person in your community. And you want to establish trust enough where they say, I believe I'm the patient. I believe in you, Mr. Chiropractor, enough that you're going to get me from where I am today to where I want to be. And the clearer you can establish that messaging, the more people who believe that you are the person to take them where they are today with where to where they want to be, 
That really, to me, is the crux of story branding. It's the crux of letting them be the hero. They get all of the raving benefits. And truth be told, it's their body that's doing the healing. Us as chiropractors, we're facilitators of that through whatever technique and you know, we provide anyhow. So it really goes hand in hand coming full circle. Back to having a relentless focus on the patients, the people in your community. What are they struggling with? What are literally their pain points or figuratively their pain points? What are they looking to overcome? And then what are they looking to get back to doing more importantly? And if you are the right person for them, with that, you might not be the right person in every single circumstance, but specifically around the spine and musculoskeletal care, we are quite often are as chiropractors. So just be very direct and be very clear as far as this is where we have taken people in the past, this is where they started, this is where they ended up, and we help them along with that process. I'm kind of not getting too granular right now. I'm speaking at the highest level. But when you start to understand that as the concept from a provider, you're super familiar with this, but the providers start to better understand that from a conceptual standpoint, now it doesn't matter. It could be a blog post, a video, an email. It's the same story, but mm -hmm. you can just feature that in different ways. I love that. And it's, it's funny, you know, you said too, it's like figuring out where people are at now and building that trust to take them to where they want to go. And one thing that we touch on like really, really heavily just in any sort of just marketing in general is that your consumer is on some sort of journey and they have a timeline of that journey. And what happens is, you know, and this is kind of a statement for just general like businesses in general, a lot of businesses promote on customer service, right? The thing about promoting customer service is that it's only, they can only experience your good customer service after the fact when they choose to start working with you, right? right. So it's the same in the chiropractic world. Like obviously they're gonna experience some sort of pain and relief and stuff like that, but we need to figure out what their thoughts are right now before they start working with us and start talking to them in a way that kind of rewires their belief system and any sort of objections they might have about coming to work with us, right? So we're communicating with them in a sense that um, in the area that before they start coming in, just to just kind of get in their head, you know, what are they going through right now? What concerns might they have? What, what beliefs might they have? What objections might they have? And then we're going to create that content in our narrative around that to kind of just break that down, build the trust and then get them to eventually become patients of ours. Right. Yeah. That's the key point. It's reducing friction, right? It's, it's yeah. that, you know, if somebody has not been to a chiropractor, let's just be, let's just call it as it is, right? 15% of people have probably been to a chiropractor. It's not 99%, a minority, right? So right. it's a big decision if somebody decides to go to a chiropractor. They are not in the majority of people out there. So, you know, the question then becomes, well, you know, why is that? Well, there's a bunch of different reasons, but the gist of it is that, you know, people might be a little bit scared. They might be, you know, cost conscious. They might, whatever it might be. There are some common themes out there. So as you're saying, you know, what are those objections? Maybe they think they're getting that care somewhere else. You know, maybe they're hoping for the magic pill. There's a million different reasons that, or in instances that can create friction. But the more that we can as providers and you know as, as marketers that help docs, the more that we can reduce that friction in the consumer or the potential patient's eyes and let them know, truthfully and ethically, it always stems from that, but let them know, hey, you know, you're not alone. You know, here is what a few other people have also asked. You know, and this all gets down to the different aspects of content creation, right? Telling the benefits, showcasing a testimonial and a story of success highlighting objections. This is all part of that same big narrative where the patient's on a journey, they have a problem. 
they're going to choose to do something about it. Chances are one way or the other. The question is, are they choosing you? <laughs> so your job is to understand where they're at, communicate that you understand and show that empathy and then you know showcase some authority with the fact that you know what you're talking about, but also help them with their decision-making process. If they knew what to do, arguably they might not have gotten that predicament. Not everybody else is right. a medical doctor, healthcare provider, healthcare professional. So, you know, I think from a provider stance too, sometimes we know so much, we assume everybody else knows it and it's like, well, they get it. And well said. Like, well, they don't get it unless you tell them, you tell them again, you tell them again, <laughs> you tell them another, you know, 700 million times because that's just the way it goes. People are busy um, and the, you have to be absolutely crystal clear or as clear as possible in your messaging. Love it. So to kind of recap all that, become crystal clear, like you just said, become the guide, understand that your consumer, your patient, your future patient is on some sort of hero's journey right now. They have their own hero story. You need to, make, you need to communicate in a way where they can see your practice in your office as integrated in their story, right? So that's kind of the gist of everything that we touched on there. I wanna give a quick shout out. This is actually a kind of a pop in live for the time we actually did this. We have, I think three people watching now. We had as many as five in here at one point. We So I wanna give a shout out, Sarah and Nick, Paula, uh, Dr. Jim, my man, and Sheldon, I appreciate you guys being with us. This is why I had doc wanted to get Dr. Jeff in here. I knew he would provide some deep value for us. So I appreciate you, Dr. Jeff. And I want to transition. You brought, you started to bring up the notion of content creation. And I think that um, a lot of practitioners, a lot of businesses, just a lot of people in general struggle where to start. There's a lot going on. Should I write blogs? Should I do email marketing? Should I do video content? What do I even do on Instagram? You know, like what it was. So if, if somebody were to say, I want to start producing content. What's the what are some some good actionable things to really help them start the creative process and also be effective in their message to their future patients? Yeah, that's, there's there's a lot there, and that's a really good question. You know, a lot of docs get really caught up with you know, do I have the time? Do I have the expertise? What do I say? And you know, that's really where I start is on the what do I say? Because you can say it different ways, right? As as you kind of just highlighted, you could say it through a podcast, your through a video, through a blog post, or an email, all of which are awesome. Through an ad, like you know, they are all very they're very effective in various ways. But it starts with, well, what the heck am I saying, right? Through these different avenues. So one thing that I advocate for heavily, and we talk about a lot within the smart chiropractor, is having a monthly campaign. So really, and, and here's where that here's where we get down to that. It's really understanding each month a specific topic. And, and, and I'll, I'll talk through this, and I think by the time I get to the end, it'll make a lot of sense. So let's say January is neck, neck pain, cervical spine, neck, neck month, right? So I love to have that, that's like my monthly topic. Then I take each week and I say, what's a different aspect of that that's important? So for instance, week number one might be, I use this example all the time, but it's an easy one, is my arm pain coming from my neck? That's a consumer thing, right? In, in the medical, we'd call that radiculopathy. Do you have a disc pressing on a nerve causing you know pain, radicular pain? But patients don't understand what that means there. If it's neck month, week number one could be, is my arm pain coming from my neck? Week number two, for instance, might be all about posture at work in ergonomics, right? So it's a different aspect, but it all ties back to the neck. So we have monthly campaigns, weekly titles or topics, and then daily posts. 
So now you have a strategic roadmap. Great, week number one, January, we're talking all about is arm pain coming from my neck? Well, now I know what direction. My weekly email is going to be, is my arm pain coming from my neck? My posts for that week are going to delve into different aspects of that. You know, if you have arm pain, it might be because of a disc issue. If you've been told you have a disc issue, chiropractic can be very beneficial, right? So you can, that starts to frame things. And one of the big things that I really recommend as time has gone on, and a lot of our docs are doing this year, is then the daily post. We not only have social posts, we not only have a weekly email, but I love it when docs are willing to take 60 seconds a day. And 60 seconds a day can make a huge, huge impact. And here's what I mean by that, is that we talk about five days in a week. So we give Saturday and Sunday off. So we talk about motivational Monday, testimonial Tuesday, wake up Wednesday, tactical Thursday, and Friday favorites. So every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, every Thursday, every Friday, you know what you're going to do. I'll give, one, I'll give an example there and then we can dive in as much as you want. Testimonial Tuesday, we'll use that as an example. I don't care if you actually even have a patient with you, but if it's, is my arm pain coming from my neck week in neck month on Tuesday, I already know it's Testimonial Tuesday. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna hop on and say, hey, this is Dr. Joe. <laughs> this week is all about, is my arm pain coming from my neck? And it makes me think of a patient, Donna. Donna came in last year, she had arm pain. It was coming from her neck. She was struggling to do X, Y, and Z. And after we did A, B, and C, she was able to get back all of the wonderful things that she loves to do, such as blobbity, blobbity, blobbity. If this sounds like you and you've struggled with this, give us a buzz today, right? So that takes 30 seconds. You don't even need the patient there. And you can highlight what I'll, we call testimony Tuesday, but you can almost call it a case study, right? A past patient that you'd had. And now you have a strategic roadmap. So that's i just got super super tactical there but that's that was that's good that was really good where i think that docs can make big big headway and if we want to dive into the top of that content pyramid i think it revolves around video for sure so what i've got out of that is you know have some sort of foundational topics right so you talked about neck month and then you're going to have neck week right and you're breaking down neck month into different kind of weeks so Basically, we wrote big, a big synopsis for anybody listening from that conversation right there was have a plan, right? And I'm guilty of this too. I'm guilty of this too. When I first started creating, I was just winging everything. I'd be like, what am I going to post today? Who knows? Yeah, like, let's exactly. just go in and figure it out. You know, and what really ends up happening is you can't be as tactful, as strategic with your content if you're winging it on a daily basis. Is it okay to wing your live stream on Saturday and talk to your, you know, talk to your patients and just say, hey, here's what's going on on Saturday. I'm doing this family time and just kind of do like a impromptu kind of post. Sure. But should you be posting everything like that? You know, I think that Jeff and I would kind of be disagree with that, right? We want to have some sort of strategic plan. We want to have topics of discussion. And but we want to make sure to your point, Jeff, we want to make sure that these topics are adding value to our future patients, to our potential patients. Right. We want to be speaking to them in a way that's going to build that trust and without a plan and just trying to wing it every day. I mean, sure, you might be able to get good at it over years and years of just doing it. Right. But when you first get started, you're going to want to have some sort of plan. Right. You're going to have one some some overarching strategy for the month of March coming up on March. Have some sort or some sort of overarching strategy for March. So, what would you recommend? So, what would be a good overarching strategy? You have neck week, back or neck month, back month. What could they do in March, for example? 
Yeah, they, I'll, I'll throw out two different ones. You could do something at the intersection of sports, you know, athletic performance, because at that point you might focus one week on CrossFitters. You might focus, you know, one week on runners, right? So you could do an athletic performance. And I like to think of that like the athlete in you, meaning it doesn't necessarily mean that you're like, you know, playing semi-pro baseball or something like that. It literally is like the athlete in you, sports performance month. What are we going to talk about? Week one's running. Week two is CrossFit, you know, week three is Pilates and week four is yoga. I mean, you don't need to get overly technical. And now you're speaking specifically to individuals and challenges because we know, for instance, I always call CrossFit gyms new patient fulfillment centers. Uh, it's only a matter of time before you get injured. So, yeah. uh, man, so yep. but the competitive aspects of that are fantastic because people want to stay in the gym. And if they're injured, they can't compete. So talking, for instance, CrossFit week, you can talk all about, hey, here's what, how we go about prevention. Here's how we go about keeping you in the gym and keeping you competitive, et cetera. So again, doing the, the, the activities that people love, the benefit that you're providing, getting back to story branding, is helping them stay active. It's helping them do the things that they love. That usually reduces stress. People are happier. There's so many different ways that you can tie all of these things together. I love that. And what's interesting is, you know, you talk about like the CrossFit gyms, you know, we, I did work with a lot of CrossFit gyms. I was telling you that before we got started and to your point, it is a gold mine for new patients because at some point you are going to get hurt. And one thing that I want to just briefly kind of just segue into, because I think I like to reiterate this point over and over in my group is that if you're in a local community, like everybody is, who's watching, go and make those relationships with those gym owners. Go build those relationships with that CrossFit gym, that yoga studio, that guy down the road who owns a different gym, whatever it is. That is the Dream 100 strategy. I'm going to be going into more detail on that soon. But that, to your point, Jeff, is a gold mine for new patients. You build a relationship with that gym owner, they're going to be just – and they think someone gets hurt. They're like, oh, that's my client getting hurt. I need to send them to get – they need to get better. Oh, they need to go see a chiropractor. Who's the first person that they're going to think about? Probably the guy that has a relationship with them, right? So, you know, go and build those relationships. I just want to kind of like segue a little bit on that because I think that's super yeah. important. I don't know. Did you want to I want to ask you a little bit about that. You know, what are your thoughts about harvesting those local relationships with those new patient gold mines like those CrossFit gyms? Uh, it's absolutely critical. For instance, let's talk Friday favorites. Getting back to our strategy piece, right? Friday favorites mm -hmm. of CrossFit week might be, hey, I'm here with John. At my, he's my favorite CrossFit gym owner, right? And let's, I'm going to ask John a few questions, you know, and then, and then of course, now you start to get real momentum because you could just ask, you know, you highlight the other person's business and guess what? They're going to post it to their page. Now you, you start to be able to blow up and expand your audience and tribe online as well. So absolutely, those sort of relationships are absolutely critical because, you know, you want to be the guy and here's the, here, what, so some people might say, well, what's the benefit for John? Well, number one, it's free publicity. Number two is if John has injured people that can't go into his CrossFit gym that discontinue their membership, John's losing money. So you know, keeping people active in his gym in this case is a great example of it's completely mutually beneficial. It ties together. The people are there because they want to be there. They like that athletic, athletic activity. They want to be competitive. Great. You can be a perfect support and guide you know, along their journey just as John is in a different way. So you both, that, I think that's the key aspect. Each person is their own hero, but depending upon where they're at in their life journey or the specific journey they're on in that moment, they could have hundreds of different journeys going on individually. 
that really tie into their big life journey, but they could have tons of guys. You can have a guide in every single aspect of your life to a certain extent, and guides can come in and out of your life at a certain point in time. Some may last longer than others. You know, that's really the dynamics of story branding, not to get too conceptual, but building mm -hmm. relationships is absolutely critical because it's great from a pragmatic point of view, meaning you're going to have more people who know, trust, and like you. There's great co-branding and co-marketing aspects of that that you can leverage as time goes on, which is absolutely critical. And that sort of content typically can overperform, which starts to get back into, let's say, if you want to boost things or go you know, sort of an advertising route, not every ad needs to be one thing. Sometimes there's great value to be had through co-branding and marketing with a lighter call to action as opposed to a super heavy call to action. Those are things you play with and, and test and that stuff we can uh, geek out about and go down rabbit holes on. But For there's sure. a, you know, I don't mean to say all that to make it overly complex. The foundational component of it is the more of those sort of relationships you build, the better off your practice will be. Love it. And to your point, it's it's so mutually beneficial, not only not only from the trading of publicity, but the value and the value proposition to both clients, right? You know, so to your point, the gym owner, John. He's got people, like you said, they're, they're getting hurt. They can't continue to come to his gym. It's affecting his business. So then he comes in and introduces, starts relationships, says, hey, I got a guy for you. So now guess what? Not only is he solving their problem, he's deepening his value proposition to his client already because he's making that introduction. So not only is he helping his own business, obviously, by just keeping his, uh, his obviously, athletes in there, you know, working out longer, but he's actually helping them, and to your point, on a different journey, like getting injured part of their life, and that journey is helping them overcome that. So I think you did a really good job explaining that. Um, I want to dive into, um, this is something that I, I listened to one of your podcasts, and it really, really stuck out with me, and I want you to kind of go through and explain it. So it's all about the new patient experience and kind of the process to take people through when they first come into your office. I know you have an acronym for it. I believe it's A-I-D-E-T, if I'm not mistaken. And I want you to dive into that because I, that was probably one of the most powerful episodes that, I, like, that I've listened to of yours. Obviously, they're all magic. But, but realistically, that one really stood out to me because I think it, it it's very, very actionable. And it's something that I think that a lot of people potentially overlook when new patients come into their office for the first time. So let's go ahead and dive a little bit into that acronym, what that looks like and how they can successfully do that when new patients come in. Yeah, thank you. There, there's, and, and, I, and I learned it, so I definitely can't take credit, but I'll transmit the knowledge. So the gist of it is, is that there's a, uh, you know, there's some certifying organizations that sit over you know, big hospital systems and all this, where it's like exceptionally difficult to get these patient experience and patient first designations and certifications. So one of those big organizations had this acronym called AIDIT, as you said. And really what it did is it systematized the process of the patient experience. And that system, systemizing it is critically important for your practice because it helps you become more efficient, it helps you replicate and scale, and it helps you deliver the same level of service to each individual. So that is an awesome thing all around. So how that works out, I'll kind of just touch on a few different aspects of it. Really, it's, it, you know, it, the design of it is to make sure that the patient understands what's going on every step of the way. So for instance, this would be aid it in action. I step into the room and I first, A, I acknowledge the individual by name. Hey, John, great to meet you. I'm Dr. Langmaid at Langmaid Chiropractic, right? Now what I'm going to do is really start to 
recap what's going on with them, set the expectation for what I'm going to do, and give a time frame, right? So you know, I'll, I'll kind of work through the mechanicals of that. Hey, John, I'm, you know, I'm Dr. Langmaid, you know, at Langmaid Chiropractic. I love that you're here today, but I understand that you've been struggling with low back pain, right? So now I'm making that connection. I might then say, my job today is to do two separate things. First, we're going to take a case history where I'm going to get a better feeling for exactly what led you in here today. And then the second part is we're going to do an examination or an evaluation to give you the best course of treatment possible moving forward. That's going to take us about 30 minutes today. Does that sound good to you? Right. So that's sort of the ADA in a nutshell where I'm saying, hey, here's the expectation of time, right? Because the patient doesn't know. Is am I going to be sitting in here 35 minutes? Am I sitting in here two minutes? What's going on? So framing the time de-escalates the situation. Clearly identifying yourself is super, super important, but you wouldn't believe how often that does not happen. Letting the person know what you're going to do in that time. Critically important, you don't need to get every nitty gritty detail, but give them the gist of it and certainly acknowledge them by name. And this goes across the board. I want to be very clear. This is not just a physician tool. This is an everybody tool. This is a new patient walks in in front desk, stands up. Hey, I'm Jeff. You must be John. You know, I, you know, I had you on the schedule. I'm excited to see you as we get started. I'm, I'm going to ask you to do two things. Fill out this paperwork. It's just a couple pages. Should take you no longer than five to 10 minutes and bring it right back up here when you're done so I can make sure I get Dr. Jeff for you, right? That's the same. I told him how long. I told him what the expectation is. I introduced myself and I acknowledged them. So I'm just sort of moving the letters all around here in terms of the A-I-D-E-T. But the sure. gist of it is, is you want to acknowledge, you want to make sure that you are setting expectations, introducing yourself, giving a time frame, and then letting them know what's going to come next or what the conclusion is. Because when you do that, that de people are stressed out when they go into a doctor's office, especially if they never met you before. It's a chiropractor's office. What the heck are these guys going to do to me? Right. So, there, you know, there can be a lot of apprehension and stress and that can negatively affect ultimately healing. Not to get too you know fluffy in here, but, this, you know, there's an aspect of that where somebody's super stressed out and paranoid in your practice. Those patients aren't typically going to respond to your care as well as somebody who is motivated. They're there. They're comfortable. All of that patient experience matters a heck of a lot. It matters for business reasons, retention, referrals, all of that, but it also matters for clinical outcomes. So taking that literal 15 seconds to acknowledge them by name, introduce yourself, set the duration, give them a little bit of expectation, and let them know that transition on the back end of what's going to happen after you finish up crucially important towards making a patient feel comfortable and confident that they made the right decision and side benefit, side effect good, not side effect bad. It helps your practice run better because now you can train in a very linear yes. way. If somebody moves on from your office, hey, this is what we do. This is what we do here. And you, you introduce yourself, you acknowledge these individuals who come into our practice, you let them know what the expectations are, you, under, you let them know what you're gonna do, and then you let them know what's coming next. It sounds super simple and easy, but I'm going to estimate that 90 plus percentages of practices don't do that at all. 
That was amazing. That's exactly why I wanted you to go into that because that was like word for word. I remember hearing a lot of that on that podcast. And I'm like, I need to share this because this is <laughs> right here. This is absolute gold. Yeah. And that's your point. One is creating a process so it's scalable. So if anybody leaves or if any, you know, you new front desk person, new practitioner, whatever it is, you know, this is how we operate. It creates a process for everything. I'm really big on process. I'm actually a process engineer by trade. So I'm really big on that kind of stuff. So that's first and foremost. And secondly, it's just a great means of getting results and communicating that firsthand experience, right? We know, we know right away from any business that the first experience, you know, like they say, like, don't judge a book by its cover. But the reality is, is that everybody is judging books by their cover and they, AKA the book is your business, right? right? So you have to give the first experience, your first interaction with the patient is so critical that you really, really like not having a process to take people through that's systematic and proven to work. You're actually leaving stuff on the table in terms of just like you said, retention, experience, uh, like opportunities for referrals, right? So I mean, just to your point, just having that process is doing so many things at once. And to your point, it takes 15 seconds, right? It's not like we're doing this crazy 10 minute spiel. It's just 15 seconds of just data, like process driven communication as we'll call it, right? Okay. Yeah, that's and, that, and that's and that's a key aspect too. Don't go the other way and get to be ten. There's some docs out there that are like, "Well, you know, I'm Dr. Jeff. I grew up in Rhode Island, and yeah, like, what I'm going to do is ask you a series of questions. Let me tell you them right now, but not let you answer them." <laughs> you know, it's like, right. you know, so keep it simple and keep it basic. You don't need to. Yeah. We're going to do Kemp's test. We're going to do like no. Just, you know, we're going to do an exam, right? Yeah. Yeah, keep yeah. it simple and and then get on with it. I guess is a key. Point. Right, right. No kidding, man. That's so funny. Like, hey, you could go real deep. Hey, like you know, I'm gonna tell you about my house at home. I'm gonna tell right. you about. My dog. <laughs> you know, could go real deep if you want to. And the thing is, it's like you know, if people there's times times people in the world that like they'll just start talking to you and they'll want to have that small talk. Absolutely. You know? but, like, let them start that conversation, you know, like you be professional, take them through that guided process, you know, keep it top level. And if they want to go deep and they want to ask about your uh, Labrador at home, they will, you know, but until then, right? Yeah. Yeah. Them. Don't, don't pun let them ask. Don't punish everybody else in the process. Right. Exactly. 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 Can't assume that everybody's interested, right? Exactly. Let them tell you. Yeah. I love that. Um, one thing, um, this is kind of like a little transition here, um, kind of from like the new patient, like, you know, introduction side of things. Um, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Um, what is your thought process on like modern chiropractic email marketing and what does a good strategy look like for that? That's a question I haven't asked a whole lot of people and I haven't really done a whole lot of like discussion in the group about that, but I figured that you would be a good individual to kind of like ask that question to. Yeah, thanks. So with, with, with email, I think there's a couple of things that are super important. You should be doing it. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's yeah. number one. Uh, and then, and then what does doing it mean? Right. So, there are three uh, email sequences or autoresponders or automations, however you want to define it, that I think are crucially important for docs out there. One is an event sequence. So if you're holding a workshop, if you're going to be somewhere, if it's online or off, I don't care, an, an event sequence. Are you doing something, right? So, you know, that we could talk about, we'll come back to in just one second. So event sequence is something I think is very, very important for almost every doc out there. Number two, the other two are absolutely critical. Onboarding email sequence. So when somebody comes into the practice, um, you are sending them a series of emails over their first couple of weeks in the practice, letting them know they're in the right place, addressing frequently asked questions, you know, all you know, welcome, all of those steps, right? You don't need to overdo it, but send them a handful over the first few weeks. Let They're engaged. They're in your practice for a reason. They chose you. 
So don't let your communication stop after they leave the four, four walls of your practice and they go out the other 23 hours and 45 minutes of the day. At least throw a line out there a few times over those first few weeks to let them know, hey, here's our Facebook page that has health tips. Here's our website that has all, and again, always framing it in, not, you know, hey, you know, join our e email newsletter. Nobody wants to see an email newsletter, but hey, join our email sequence, which helps you get better results quicker by showcasing you exactly what you need to do to get the best results in our practice. Now that's an email list that everybody in your practice is gonna to wanna to be a part of, right? So all about getting back to story branding. So we talked event sequence, onboarding sequence. Third one is a weekly email to your list, right? So the onboarding sequence only lasts the first week or two that somebody's in your practice. So then the question is, well, what happens after that? They just fall off the face of the earth. That's when they should trip in or go into the one time per week. One time per week, what we've seen within Smart Cairo and Cairo emails is we've seen even lists as small as 400 people that sending a weekly email can get two to four reactivations from the list. People who have dropped out of care or stopped coming in or discharged from care. Two to four reactivations per week. That's like an additional, you know, I'm not claiming 700 new patients per month, but these are the people already know, trust, and like you that you just need to stay top of mind with. And email is a very, very cost-effective solution to do that. Um, and when you have a great content strategy, then you have the content for that weekly email. And then you can just set it, kind of set it and forget it. It goes out. And people, oh, I didn't, I, you know, they came into you. I always use this example. People will come into you for, let's say, a low back issue. And you talked all about their, you know, how everything works together. They didn't hear any of it. They have a neck issue three months later. And they're like, well, I'm not going to go see Jeff. He took care of my low back. I got to go see the neck doctor. <laughs> like that's True. crazy. Like, but that sort of stuff happens all the time. And email helps mitigate that because you're you're touching on different aspects of what they might be dealing with. It opens their eyes, etc. So really, onboarding events and also weekly drip or weekly long-term nurture, super super important for for all practices. Those are the basics that I think every practice should have dialed in. Love it. Um, one question I want to dig a little bit deeper in that. He said for the onboarding email, he said it's about a two week period. Are you sending 10 emails over that period of time or are you doing like an every other day cadence or what's your kind of thought process? Yeah, there? I, the way we have it set up, I believe, is seven emails over the first 14 days. And the way that it works is like the day of the end of their like they come in today. They would get an email today at the end of the day at 6 p.m. or whatever it might be saying, welcome to the practice. Right. Now, tomorrow, they're going to get another one where it says, you know, hey, join our Facebook, you know, be sure to like, follow and see first on our Facebook page or join our Facebook group. That's where we post all of these things that are going to benefit you in these super specific ways. So I want to engage them online. So then, you know, you know guys like you can help with, you know, re, you know whether it be retard, you know, you, can, you get all of the data from Facebook once they have started to engage with your content. So using your email the second day to drive back towards Facebook can help all of your other marketing as well. This all works together. And then I might have the third day as a frequently asked question. Hey, if you need to ever reschedule, by that they're probably coming in for their second appointment. So now I'm saying if you need to reschedule, call us here. If you, you know, if you have this question or that question. So um, again, if I'm reducing any friction because that between that first and second visit is so important, then the remaining emails I'm starting to space out. So usually in yeah. the first three days, I'll send them an email a day. The first one, just welcome. So it's super non-obtrusive. The second one, hey, interact with us on Facebook and here's why more specifically. 
which is helpful, not obtrusive. Third one, again, probably their second visit day. Hey, here's a few frequently asked questions. Helpful, not obtrusive. Then I'm starting to space out a little bit over those next, I guess, 11 days. I'm only sending like every uh, every other day. I love that. That's that's actually, yeah, that's really well said. And what's interesting about that um, and the thought process behind that that I want to kind of highlight too is in these emails, you're back promoting, you know, your Facebook and maybe your Instagram and in your case, like a podcast, right? And what's super awesome about that strategy, one is you're going to take eventually take that email and you're going to put them on an email list weekly to kind of do reactivation. So you're getting those past patients back in the door. But then secondly, you've already promoted your other channels. You've promoted your Instagram and your Facebook, right? So there's a good chance that they went through and saw and saw that email and started following you. Now there's even more opportunity for you to stay on top of mind on a daily basis, included or like even aside from that weekly email that you're sending out. So you're just you're promoting yourself in this for future processes, basically, is what it is. I love that kind of statement. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to docs all the time where it's like, you know, how many how many patient records do you have? You know, and it might be, you know, I don't care if it's 500 or 5,000. Then I look at their, you know, their Facebook page and, and there's 40 people follow, you know, 40 people that have liked or followed. It's like, man, every single per practically every single person that's your, been your patient, you know, these should all be gimmies as far as you, you continuing the interaction via email or via Facebook for sure. Because again, as you well know, it's like, if you don't have their information over there, you're not able to retarget them, you're not able to remarket to them, you know, you're really kind of shooting blind. And again, those are the people who already know, trust and like you, those should be the raving fans. So, you know, allow them to be those individuals. Right, exactly. Give them an opportunity to go to those places when they want to go there. No, I love that. I think you nailed that. Um, I want to ask you too, uh, a couple more here. We're about 45 mm -hmm. minutes in. We should try and keep this, you know, around an hour or so, if that's okay with you. Sure. Yeah. Um, so this is an interesting kind of thought too. We talked about, you know, the initial experience of somebody coming in the office, you know, taking that, taking the framework, the conversational framework. Um, what do you do or what strategies have you used um, to see patients longer to increase lifetime, to increase just retention? What are some good retention strategies that you would uh, like to highlight? Well, I mean, to me, I think retention, there's two different ways to look at that, right? I mean, there's an aspect of it that I think has the the bad name, which is, you know, how, how many times can I get this patient in over, you know, this short duration of time and it's like it's churn and burn. And then there's retention over a lifetime. So I always look at it from over the course of a lifetime. If somebody chose you once and you're doing a, and you believe you do a good job, it, they, you should be their guy or gal the rest of their life, like barring, you know, you move, they move, etc. So the really, I think retention starts with the first conversation, right? Is that somewhere that they is your practice realistically somewhere they want to go back to? Do they feel comfortable? Do they feel confident? Do they feel like they're treated great? Would they refer a friend? You know, these are all things that are going to play into, are you going to be their guy or gal throughout their life? Right? So I think it starts almost on that initial, uh, that initial touch point, but the continuation of that as time goes on, yeah, I think is really about a couple different things. And, and number one, it's about being in their ecosystem. So, you know, are they following your Facebook page? Are they seeing the content that you're producing? Are you adding insight benefit to them? Are you adding value in terms of the information that you have? Are you being that trusted advisor? Even if they're not in your office right then, are you keeping them warm by putting out content that resonates with them? The second component of that is the email. Are you touching base with them? I advocate very heavily for once a week um, in, the, in the chiropractic space. 
Are you touching them one time per week with something of interest? That keeps you in their mind's eye, in the ecosystem. It's not overwhelming. You're not browbeating them all the time, you know, but you're adding your insight into their life. To me, that's the most important aspects. Now, they might go through episodes where they come into your practice and then, you know, they, you know, they stop coming in. I am a-okay with that. I just always want to feel confident that I know that they're coming back, you know, that they're a, you know, a fish in my pond, right? They're, they're a part of my audience and tribe. And no matter what happens, that they are there. And all I'm doing is, you know, waiting for the opportunity to serve. Uh, you know, it kind of sounds a little cheesy, but it, it's the truth of the matter is that the gist of it is, is that I view retention as a long game. I view it as if somebody comes into my practice today, they might come in twice. I might not see them for another 10 years, but I want to feel comfortable. I'm going to see them in another 10 years. I'm going to, I want to feel comfortable. That I'm going to see them when they raise their hand. I want to make it as easy as possible for them to raise their hand when they say, You're, I'm ready to come back in. I'm struggling with this. I have this challenge. I have a question about this. That is really where I, I see that from a broad perspective then I think there are some very niche items that you can do in your practice. If you have the space and the interest, you could do things like group fitness and group coaching that literally keeps the money transaction going, you know, mm -hmm. from that perspective outside of the adjustment by itself. So, you know, there are things that you could potentially do in a membership sense that keep that relationship, you know, red hot, meaning they're paying you every month, but ultimately your first priority should be making sure that you have your systems and processes for a lifetime of communication. Because if you have that, you're going to be pretty confident that no matter what your direct offering is, they will be raising their hand at some point in time for it. I love that. And it's, you know, it's coming back to the thing where it's, you know, serving people at a high level in office and then having what you just said at the end, having that lifetime of communication. Right. And I think that that is kind of a missing component for a lot of folks is that, you know, they are their retention, um, I guess, I guess for lack of better terms, their retention um, metrics are only contingent on the experience in the office. And I'm advocating that the experience in the office is amazing, right? But to your point, there's an added layer. It's like, what can we do to continue that conversation, to con continue that daily communication, that weekly communication after all, after all these platforms to keep top of mind? And ultimately, that's going to keep them you know, raising their hand to come into your practice, right? I love that's it. it. That, that's that's the important aspect of it is that, you know, retention is not all about what you get by the end of the month. You know, it's what you build over the course of a lifetime of practice. So, you know, the more that you are, again, be, being that guy, being that trusted advisor throughout time, you know, your retention numbers will look real good. You know, they might not be, you know, X amount over the first 30 days, but if you set things up correctly, you should be less reliant upon that because you're going to have a whole tribe, a whole audience, a whole community of people who know, trust and like you. And as they go up and down, as they come in and come out of your practice, you're, you will be far less stressed. But I feel like so many docs view their practice, you know, and, and I'm not criticizing the docs necessarily, but they view it as transactional right? Patient came in today. What am I getting right now? They walk out the door. When are they coming back in? Right. You know, it, those are important things to understand, right? You don't want to be sloppy with your, with your treatment plans and your care plans. You don't want to just, you know, it shouldn't be a, a very few practices should be laissez-faire. You just come in one, well, when should I come back? Whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Looking for direction. I don't mean that, you know, you shouldn't be completely hands off, 
but when you have your communication and your marketing systems, you, you can view you view the patient experience less transactional, and you view it more over the course of your brand over a lifetime of practice. And that is a much more uh, comfortable position to be in, and it is a far less stressful position to be in. I love that. That's super well said. It's like understand the short term, but be advocating and planning for the long term. Get that constant communication and that lifetime value of the patient. I love that. That's really well said. Um, that kind of segues into this a little bit nicely. This is a question I've asked a couple other people. I want to hear your input on this one as well. Um, what are some good, so actually it's a two-part question. What are some good methods of asking and getting more referrals? And what is a good point in the relationship to ask for those referrals? Yeah, there's probably some variability in this answer, right? So I think there sure. is some variability in terms of, you know, who you are as a provider, who the patient is and, and how your office is kind of set up, right? So, you know, when I look at it from a fundamental standpoint, the best time to ask for a referral, in my opinion, is at like if you view a patient journey at like the height of when they're hyped on you right it's like you know when mm -hmm. they are their happiest is a good time to ask right which you know there can be a little bit of of variability there right so you know i would say that a great time to ask in a very basic sense is whenever somebody gives a compliment right you know whenever somebody comes in and says at the front desk you know, again, his front desk stands up, uses Aiden. Hey, great to see you. You know, you know, yeah. you know so yeah, and the patient says, you know, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. You know, we love to hear that, you know, so anytime a patient's giving a compliment is a great time in theory, depending upon specifically when it is, you know, uh, is a great time to ask for a referral at that point in time, in my opinion. So anytime that they're giving a compliment, anytime that they're hyped up on what you've done, anytime that they've achieved their benefit, right? You're trying to, you know, they're trying to get somewhere. Did you help them get there or do they feel real confident they're on the right trajectory? If they're verbalizing that to you, that's a great opportunity to ask. Now, how do you ask? I think, you know, that can go a few, a few different ways, right? So that depends upon the office setup. If you're doing workshops, et cetera, and the patient is struggling with the issue that you have an upcoming workshop, this would be a, you know, maybe less frequent occurrence, but that'd be an easy one, right? I'm doing fantastic today. Great. You know, if anybody in your, you know, in your family or co-workers or colleagues are struggling with this, I'm doing a workshop in two weeks about how people can get on the right track. I'd welcome you, you know, to invite them. Do you want some of these flyers? You know, so, you know, that would be, you know, one instance. I tend to actually like a little bit more of a, uh, a passive mode where I build into a lot of content you know, slight calls to action, comment below if you struggled, share, right? So I like to let the person take the reins, you know, so to speak. And if it's online, you know, sh you know, share with somebody, you, you know, this could help because then when it, it's shared from one person to the other without you, now you're talking like supreme credibility, right? So it's very right. likely it's like, oh, my brother shared this, my cousin, my you know, colleague, my coworker shared this with me from Dr. Blank. Uh, let me just check out what he's going on on those page. And then if your page, if you're doing a great job of content creation, it's like, oh, I can't believe I don't know who this guy is or gal, right? So, you know, I definitely got to, you know, I have been having that issue. Let me give a buzz. So from a, so I, I'm kind of going a whole bunch of different directions, but let me kind of tidy it up a little bit. I think it's great to have referral um, sources and conversations built into your content that can be built into email asking, hey, forward this email. It could be built into your posts or your videos on Facebook, et cetera. The other aspect, so I think that should all be automated. The second portion of that 
We're all built into the content. The second portion of that is that anytime in your practice that you hear a positive, somebody is stating that they've achieved a result, they're happy with, with what you've done, they're getting back to doing this thing and that thing, that is a great opportunity to say, we love hearing that from people just like you. And if you know anybody else that has had that challenge, I would love to have the opportunity to have a conversation with them because the results that you're getting is what makes me super excited to come in here each and every day. Well said, man. That was beautiful. I think you said. I think you did a good job of summarizing everything too. You know. You. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have a whole lot to add to that. That was amazing. You know, I asked them at the hype when they're at the highest point in their, you know, their performance. They're feeling the best. They're giving you compliments. You know, ask them at that point, and then have those call to actions in your content, and then the automations through your emails or whatever else you're kind of putting out there. Um, just to kind of just start that conversation. You know, you can't, you, you're not going to receive until you ask, right? Exactly. That's my big thing is like, you have to be asking and, you know, find that emotional tie to where they're feeling real good and then just integrate that ask nice and calm, get it out there and then do it automatically as well. Love it, man. What's, uh, I want to ask you one more question and we're kind of wrap things up here. Um, I want to talk a little bit about like local speaking engagements and mm -hmm. kind of what your thoughts are for practitioners with that and then some potential good strategies to go out and gain those local speaking engagements? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it depends upon what the provider wants to do, right? So it's all about relationships. So uh, building relationships, as you said, critically important. Earlier, we touched on a CrossFit gym. Great opportunity to do a low back boot camp, right? You have a great relationship with the CrossFit gym owner. Great opportunity to have a speaking engagement. You know, is working out a time where you go in and you both co-promote it. It might even be free, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. We're going to do a low back boot camp, et cetera. I'd consider it's almost a workshop, but I'd consider that a local speaking engagement. Those are pretty easy, you know, easy-ish to come by as long as you have the relationship. Um, you know, and you can extrapolate that to a whole bunch of different you know, businesses that would resonate with who you are and what you do in your practice. Um, from more of the what I'll call hardcore healthcare side, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to speak at, to other physicians, uh, surgeons, pain management docs, etc. at hospital grand rounds. So most hospitals have, you know, either once a week or once a month, depending upon the population density of your area, they'll have all of their orthopedic docs, spine, you know, extremity docs come together and kind of review cases. And typically somebody speaks for like a half hour and then everybody reviews cases. It's a typical setup in a grand rounds or a, or a spine conference. Um, they happen at most hospital systems. They are free to go to. Um, the doctors, the medical doctors, typically get uh, continuing med medical education, and it's typically a breakfast or lunch, depending on the time of day, that's sponsored by like a spine device company. Um, but it's almost like I've never seen this in the law, but it's almost like the trade-off for them offering that is then they have to not just say only you and you can come, but it's kind of open. They don't usually promote it, like they're not taking out an ad in the paper, but almost every place has it and it's almost every one of them is an open door um, where you can just come and you know that's also where I did uh, kind of really started to bridge the gap with a lot of the providers I worked with in the first uh, uh, group that I was with interdisciplinary was I just went to spine conference kind of sat in the back of the room for like a couple of months and just was like you know who are the players here like you know who's doing a lot of the talking who's doing a lot of the listening you know, what are they interested in what are they talking about and eventually I and I was very passive it took me a little while but you could probably do it much quicker. But, you know, over time, I eventually spoke multiple times at that. So, I mean, you know, it's like for free, having a room full of like 50 surgeons, pain management docs and primary care physicians talking about who I am and what I do. That's a pretty compelling place to be in. Right. You know, that, that's like ideal uh, because they're like, uh, 
you know, unlike the CrossFit gym is great because you're going to get theoretically direct patient, right? You meet, you know, Sally, Sally's got this issue. She came to your boot camp. She ain't showing up unless she has an issue. So you already know that. And then she comes in on Monday. That's great. The great, the awesome offset to that is when you go to speak to this, you know, the, the surgeon who has 27,000 patients, you know, you talk to the pain man, like, so they have their own audiences and tribes that extend far beyond where now if you have a relationship with them, you know, they could refer in theoretically five, 10, 20 yes. patients per month. That's where you sort of start to get that compounding growth. So those are two, you know, two totally different avenues, totally, totally different strategies, but I'd go local business kind of D, you know, direct to consumer uh, or you know, B2C business to consumer, if you want to think of it that way. And then B2B, I think about what can I do to speak to the other physicians in my area as well. I love it. So you have uh, a little bit of the dream 100 strategy where you're networking with the physicians and getting access to their clientele, right? But then if somebody wanted to do a local, like a business workshop with a CrossFit gym, um, you think just a good method of approach, you know, we like, I like to uh, kind of like to talk some actionable stuff here. What's a good means of approaching that business owner from the first conversation? What's that conversation you're having? What's that look like to kind of do that boot camp? I'd probably start with an interview, right? I mean, you know, you're, to get on their turf, right? I'd probably just go in, hey, you know, I've, you know, I, I always be truthful, but I'd probably walk in and, you know, and say, hopefully, you know, that I've heard of their gym before, where I can go in and honestly say, you know, hey, I have quite a few patients that are members of the gym, wanted to come in and introduce myself. You know, I've heard just great things. I stopped by, I see what you guys got going on. It's super exciting. You know, would yep. you want to take a few minutes and can I ask you a few questions about, you know, what you're seeing in the gym? I'd love my people and my audience to know more about who you are and what you do, right? That's a great start. You do that small interview that we kind of talked about earlier. Then you also get to, they're probably going to share it. You also get to report back to them. Hey, cool. It got, it doesn't matter. It got 25 views. It got 2,500 views, right? It's going to be more than zero. So it's going to be beneficial for them because they didn't pay for anything. That's a great time to say, you know, and, and you can just say at that point, Hey, I just wanted to follow up like the interview, like my audience loved it. I've been getting a ton of questions, you know, and one thing that I thought might be great for both of us is I'm, I'm absolutely jazzed to come in and do a short you know workshop regarding the questions I'm getting around low back, around CrossFit, around, you, can, you know, it could be shoulder, it could be low back, it could be neck, whatever you want to say. Um, I'd love to come in and do, you know, a short workshop for you. I'm even willing to do it. You know, you don't have to pay me for it whatsoever, but I figured we could both co-promote it, gets more people to your business, gets more people on your side, you know, knowing exactly who I am. I think it benefits us in these ways, keeps people in your gym, cross promotion, et cetera. You know, do you have a preferable Saturday where you think something like that would work out? I think it's, I think it's really straightforward. Easy. Love it. And just be and just, you know, talk about what the benefit is for that individual. You know, here's how it's going to benefit mutually. Here's how it's going to benefit you. Here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's kind of like taking the aided formula and just applying it to a business owner. Hey, this is what's going on. This is me. Here's my thought process. Here's the time we could do it. Right? It's setting the stage. Just a means yeah. of having a conversation. Brother, I appreciate you sharing that. I have to say that my personal biggest takeaway, although I really enjoyed you talking about the aided again, because I'd already heard that on your show. Uh, my biggest takeaway was definitely that onboarding email sequence and then cross promoting to your social medias to allow you to have that omnipresence. So, brother, I appreciate you being with us, Jeff. I really enjoyed my time. I know I learned a handful of things and I hope you guys learn some actionable stuff, too. If people want to find you, I have uh, your links out, the evidencebasedchiropractor.com, evidencebasedchiropractor on Facebook and Instagram. Is there any other place that you people can get in touch with you at? Yeah, I think one one good, we talk a lot about content creation, you know, and if you want a lot of that creation, 
um, you know, done for you. You can visit us at thesmartchiropractor.com. We actually have an Smart open enrollment right now. So if you're looking for guidance on those monthly campaigns, those weekly topics, and you want a lot of that automated videos, video scripts, social posts, etc., you can visit thesmartchiropractor.com, which we have uh, open enrollment right now. Otherwise, um, if you have any questions, Jeff at theevidencebasedchiropractor.com, fire me over any questions that you have, and I'm happy to shoot you back an email, answer them to the best of my ability. My man, yeah, I appreciate it. I will link out, I'll go through and edit this and link out the smartcarburetor.com. I'll also put your email in there for access. But again, man, I appreciate your time. I will continue to be consuming your show and I hope your time on here was enjoyed on your end as well. It was awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. It's been, it's been fun. Appreciate you, Dr. Jeff. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. I really hope you're able to grab some actionable information that you can take and run with for your own business. If we missed any of your questions or if you have anything you want us to discuss in an upcoming episode, shoot us an email at chiropracticmarketingsecrets at gmail.com. That's chiropracticmarketingsecrets at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the episode, please, please, please share it with somebody who might be able to benefit from it. Your support means the world to us.